you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to episode 16 of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer, and I've got my co-host back this week, guys. I'm excited. My man, Matt Hartwell, is back from his voyages around the country the last few weeks. We had some fun while he was out. I did a few things on my own. I We had Lexi on the show, which was really cool, but um, man, am I excited to have my partner in crime back. Matt, how are you, man? I'm feeling great, buddy. It's great to be back, Mike. I missed you. Um, I didn't. I got to be honest. I didn't get too much free time to uh, to watch the shows while I was gone, being that it was like vacation mode. But also, like I was doing a lot of like walking and traveling on my vacation, so I didn't get to enjoy too many uh, podcasts on the fly. But I watched a lot of the clips. Looked like you, Lexi, and uh, and everyone just handled handled it and uh folded it down while I was while I was away. So grateful for that and glad to be back and talk some Michigan sports. Oh, I see how it is, man. So when you're not on the pod, you don't even listen to it, huh? So that yeah, yeah, I I see. I see. No, uh, don't it's worry. Not there's like, not, there's not, not like gonna be that a- at all, but yeah. <laughs> I really just there, there I was be just po- totally inundated with with family life and uh, and just taking in all those experiences, man. It was honestly like some of the best I've had uh, in my lifetime, but I was so exhausted. <laughs> well, it's the it's the holiday season, so I think we can all relate, especially those of us with uh, families. Uh, we've got a great show scheduled today. Um, we're going to do a few of our normal segments that some of our fans have become accustomed to, but, uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about who's going to the NFL, who isn't, um, and who maybe hasn't declared yet. Uh, it wouldn't be a Michigan football podcast without some discussions about Jim Harbaugh and his future. And then, uh, you know, another piece that I'm really excited about on the show this week is we're going to make some predictions about the stat leaders of next year's football team. And of course, we'll talk uh, about basketball and try not to get too depressed while we're doing so. Um, But let's lead this off with some good news. Blake Corum announced this past week that he is coming back to Michigan. I gotta be honest, I really didn't see this coming. I know there were a lot of Michigan fans out there that were optimistic and they were like, oh, he can make more money uh, with NIL and, you know, and now in hindsight, I see everybody's point. He was coming off of an injury, right? A knee injury. His draft stock was going to be much lower. Uh, a third, fourth, fifth, sixth round draft pick for in the NFL at, at the running back position doesn't get paid quite like they used to. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for Corum to come back. Uh, But that just opens up a whole new uh, can of worms for every other school in the in the country. I'm seeing a lot of preseason polls that have us top two, top three um, with with Corum's return. And we've got a lot of talent coming back around him. So let me get your initial initial thoughts and reactions on uh, uh, Blake the Great coming back to Ann Arbor. You know, for me, Mike, it really just solidifies uh, my opinion in just how tough this Michigan team is going to be uh, this next year. You know, you saw uh, what the J.J. uh, Donovan uh, tandem looked like without Blake in these last couple games. And while it was still very dynamic and they did a lot of amazing things that a lot of us oohed and awed about, uh, you know, Blake just adds that position of, depth in the running game you know what i mean that just makes that backfield that much tougher and uh i i welcome him back i think i think we would have been just fine if it was just donovan um some improvements to khalil mullings obviously cj stokes i think we could have gotten by with that still made a championship run but i think having obviously a heisman contending running back like blake Corum back for another year just it just bolsters that championship, um, those good championship odds that we already had going into this year. 
Do you think that a guy like Donovan Edwards, deep down on the inside, was upset to hear that Blake was coming back or, or not? You know, I, that honestly occurred to me before the show. I was having that same train of thought, wondering, you know. And Donovan, the thing about him is he's a very team-oriented guy. He loves Blake. He wants to see the success of this team grow. And at the end of the day, they're going to find ways to utilize Donovan Edwards, whether it's uh, splitting the carries, which he's proven he can be just as successful uh, get doing and still maintaining a high yardage output, but also just mixed in with that spectacular receipt, those spectacular receiving abilities that he has. I think that uh, no matter what Donovan Edwards is poised to have a Heisman contending season, uh, I wouldn't doubt it one bit. And I don't think he's too upset about it. Now, I don't think he's upset about it either, but he has every reason to be like, if, if it was any other player, I think they would be upset because Donovan Edwards as the workhorse in that backfield coming back next year, we're talking about a guy that legitimately could get 2000 yards rushing and have, you know, five receiving touchdowns, right? Like, like legitimate Heisman numbers. Now with, with Corum returning, I don't know um, if Corum or Edwards can, can win the Heisman next year. And, and and I know that's a weird thing to say because they're both capable. Like they're they are Heisman caliber players, but you gotta believe they're gonna they're gonna ramp up the use of Donovan, right? And they're gonna learn a little bit from how hard they they rode Corum this past year and maybe try to preserve him a, a little bit. So I almost feel like the two of them together may may come close to three thousand yards rushing total, but each of them uh Maybe maybe taking enough carries away from each other to to really go to New York, but um, you know, like I I still think that it's possible to have JJ Donovan and Blake in New York together, right? Let let's get the three of them in New York, and then have CJ Stroud come back and be the fourth one in that Heisman ceremony just to lose again. That would be like a dream come true. That would be quite <laughs> the uh, the experience for CJ Stroud, I'm sure, but we won't get. <laughs> Too far ahead of our, I don't, and I don't think that all three of them could obviously contend for a Heisman at the same time. But I think the way that next season shapes out, depending on who stays healthy, who doesn't, I think is poised to to put up some uh, some daunting numbers next year. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, you you don't hate to see Blake Corum come back, no matter what the situation is. So I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to kind of watch it all unfold. Well, we've seen uh, quarterback running back duos uh, both get invites to, to, to New York in the past when they're on a, a really dominant team. And so that's something that could happen. Now, three of them, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm being a little ridiculous when I'm saying that. But, you know, a man can dream. Um, moving on to... Who's staying? Who's going? There were some guys that we knew they were going to go because they they didn't have eligibility left, right? And so, really, it's it's about saying thank you to some guys that are moving on. Uh, first and foremost, my mind goes to Ronnie Bell. Ronnie's obviously uh, out of eligibility. He's moving on. Uh, gr- amazing player that that uh, got through some adversity and and played well. Um, Olu is is out of eligibility. Um, I know Ryan Hayes on the line is heading to the draft. I can't remember if he's got a COVID year left of eligibility or not, but it doesn't matter. He's gone. Um, Luke Schoonmaker, we expected that. Um, and, and he declared, um, actually NFL prospects really like Luke Luke Schoonmaker, even more so than I thought they were going to. And then, um, Brad Robbins is, is, uh, leaving. And I'm assuming uh, I, Jake Moody's out of eligibility, right? Like Mo- Moody can't come back, can he? You know, I'm honestly not sure. I meant to fact check that before I got off, but I, I believe he still has a year of eligibility remaining, but I could be wildly wrong. So don't quote me on yeah, that. Well, I'll, have to, thing, du- I'll COVID. have to double check that. But uh, yeah, COVID had a definite impact for a lot of guys. 
it's it's hard to keep track of, right? Because the guys, some guys that were redshirted and had a COVID year, it's like they they can stick around at a program for six years now. So it's hard to hard to keep track of. And then some guys that definitely did have eligibility left that uh, chose to go to the draft. Mike Morris, that we expected, right? He's he's a a big enough prospect to where we expected him to move on to the draft. And then the one that surprised me and may put us in a little bit of a positional bind is Jamon Green. Um, that I, I didn't expect him to declare. I for I I fully expected um, him to come back. I expected DJ to be gone and Jamon to come back. Um, what about you, Matt? Did that did that surprise you at all to see that he was leaving? Yeah, absolutely. There were, I mean, a couple big pieces of news that came out over the last week that I was relatively shook about. And that was, uh, first and foremost, Jamon Green, because it adds kind of a positional conflict. Although I don't have too much worry about it, because I know that this Michigan staff, they've moved things around uh, in a way more wild fashion than just finding a new a new position for a guy. I think that they'll find someone to slot in there, uh, whoever that may be, but that, and also Yabi Oki, uh, the Yabi Oki transfer, I think caught me and a lot of people off guard, but yeah, two things that really, um, lessened my confidence in next year's lineup, but still like next year's team is going to be so great. I believe that we won't miss a beat from it, but uh, it, it was two concerning pieces of news this week for me, those two. Yeah, Iabioki was just kind of depressing because he's got all the potential in the world. And I know a lot a lot of like haters on social media are like, oh, he's a he's got red flags all over the place. Well, they're they're just looking at his past and like at this point, it's like, come on, like the dude has moved on. He's he was playing well for us. I, I really thought that he uh, could have could have a breakout year next year. Um, but then uh, Biff Pogi, who was an amazing assistant on Michigan, got the head coaching job at Charlotte. I believe Biff was Iabioki's high school coach. And so Yabi probably just assumed, hey, my best best path to the NFL might be to be hands down the best player on a small team and just go dominate for an entire season because he didn't get – uh, I, I, he's, he's surrounded by so much talent at Michigan that he just doesn't get the snaps um, because Edge just happens to be our maybe best position, like historically speaking, in recent history. And so I don't know, man. Uh, and and who, who knows what, what went into his decision, but I agree that was surprising. And then I saw right before uh, the show, or actually late last night, Taylor Upshaw, who I talked about on the pod a week or two ago who had transferred um just just committed to the the fighting the fighting prime times in in Boulder, Colorado. Uh he's going he's going to Colorado, man. What do you think about that move? Yeah, you know, I saw it uh after he announced that he was entering the transfer portal that he was immediately taking a visit over there to Colorado and you know, Dion's doing some he's doing some things uh upon upon getting there to Colorado. So kudos to him. I think he's going to have that team uh, in a well-improved status in the, the coming year or two. So kudos to him for that. I think Taylor Upshaw fits that mold uh, pretty well, and he's always been good for us. So uh, good on him. Wish him all the best, and, uh, and and we'll see what happens with old Dion Sanders over there. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm on record saying that they could compete for the the Pac-12 championship uh, in year one, and I took a lot of heat for that. I I still believe it's true. I mean, with the way Stand the transfer portal is nowadays, yeah, I might have predicted that they'll win the Pac-12. That's a bit much, but uh, I don't know. I'll have to go back and and check the tape there. But um, so yeah, there's some positive news uh, as far as the the talent we have returning, and then. As far as recruiting goes and thinking about next year and really if you just Google Michigan football at all right now, there's there's only one story that comes up. But I I'm gonna I tell you what, we can we can I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let let's do let's do a quick 
uh, what's the deal? Right, and I don't have to explain this to you, Matt. It, it's been a while since we've done one of these, but you know how this works. You, you simply ask, what's the deal with something going on in college football, college sports, or just sports or life in general? So I, I'm going to let you do the honors first. What do you have? All right, so I, uh, as you know, I attended the national championship this past weekend um, a big spectacle, by the way, the national championship is they they just brand the st- the entire city out with the uh, the opposing two teams gear like anywhere you go. Like it's just TCU, Georgia, TCU, Georgia, like everything. They just deck the stadium out. It's it's quite an event. So. I just have to say, like, after watching what we watched in Michigan's uh, game against TCU in the Fiesta Bowl, where where we would we walked away from it, obviously all heartbroken, but knowing that it was a good game, you know what I mean? For all intents and purposes, we'll watch it five years, ten years from now and think of it as a good game, you know what I mean, as far as the college football playoff is concerned. But the performance that the TCU Horn Frogs put on in that national championship, what the fuck? Like, not even what's the deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just not even... Because first and foremost, like... You've gotten all of these rival fans and everything calling into question... Uh, the effort and and uh, talent of this Michigan team because of the Horn Frogs' effort in that national championship game, but it was just disgusting. I mean, they just they must have like crowned themselves national champions after they beat Michigan or something, and then just decided not to show up because uh, you know I, even I I was like I'm gonna still go to this game because I think it's gonna be a good game. I went to the game. It was terrible, disgusting, just they and kudos to Georgia because they came there ready to play that game. And I think they probably would have spanked Michigan the way that just everything was so well executed. And like their just rhythm was like you would have had to Michigan would have had to show up and play that game like razor thin down the line to have a chance because that Georgia team like the preparation was there. But TCU, to put the kind of effort that they put on the field, it, it doesn't just take a lack of talent to lose the football game by a margin that they lost it. And uh, and I just think that, if anything, Michigan, even Ohio State could have put on, obviously did against Georgia, but put on a better show than that in the national championship. Yeah, yeah it was it was wildly unentertaining after a certain point and to to a Michigan fan who just just saw their team you know lose to TCU it was it was downright painful right it was painful because I I didn't really think TCU was going to beat Georgia but when when you, like last year when you lose in the playoffs and and then that team goes on to win the national championship you kind it's I mean it's like a little consolation prize right it's like oh well we got knocked out by the the champion right well, man, the narratives, right? Like, especially from the Buckeye fan base are just like, just puzzling about this because for whatever reason, Ohio State fans think that because they they lost a close one to Georgia and then Michigan really gave, you know, screwed up and gave the game away against TCU. And, and I think most people believe if that game was played again, Michigan would win it. But that, that's beside the point. Um, Michigan lost to TCU and then Georgia just curb stomped TCU. And so now Buckeye fans are like, oh, that's why we're the second best team and we should be better. And then there's AP voters that are voting Ohio State number two and Michigan lower. And I'm like, guys, 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 everybody calm down. Michigan and Ohio State played on the field at the end of the year at Ohio State's uh, stadium and and. and beat them by 22 points. It's like you can do all this transitive property stuff you want, but Michigan and Ohio State did match up and Michigan beat the hell out of them. A few weeks uh, ago. Yeah, like 
Like, come on. Like, so I, that's my little mini what's the deal on top of yours, which is what's the deal with, with Buckeyes thinking that, that, that that's a good argument, right? That, that somehow, it, it, you know, they, they, they need to just be quiet for another year. They were lucky to get into the playoffs anyway. Um, and, and, and they showed up against Georgia. There's no, no way around it. They showed up against Georgia. Thank God that kicker uh, duffed that kick and they, and they didn't make it to the championship. Um, all right, well, I'm going to move on to my what's the deal, which is something I alluded to a, a second ago on the show, which is, uh, you know, the, the front page news for Michigan right now is Jim Harbaugh NFL coaching rumors, right? We, we early on, we got some, some Carolina Panthers rumors and then the, the most reliable you know, conversations right now seem to be happening with the Broncos. And then after the Chargers went down last night, I've heard some people, you know, mention that Jim Harbaugh might want to move back to California, right? That that might be appealing to him. But what I what I want to ask what's the deal about is what's the deal with Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh's relationship? It it appears as though and I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt that, you know, maybe we don't know what these inside conversations look like and maybe we're not getting the whole picture. But what's the deal with Ward Manuel apparently rubbing Jim Harbaugh the wrong way to the point where Harbaugh is is leaving a reportedly leaving a deal on the table that that has the terms and conditions that that he requested, but but he refused to sign at the last minute because Ward Manuel uh, is 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 playing hardball in so many other areas. From what I've heard, he's playing playing hardball with NIL stuff, with team control stuff. That you know, his ability to run the program and hire assistants, and all all the all the things that hardball really needs to do to maintain uh, traction. And and uh, Santa Ono, the the president, had to step in, and apparently he's like mediating uh, this contract right now, and so. What's the deal, Ward Manual? Like, what is the deal? Jim Harbaugh, back-to-back playoffs, back-to-back Big Ten champions, back-to-back Ohio State victories. At this point, you you give you give him a blank sheet of paper and let him let him write his own freaking contract, right? Like, don't don't screw this up for everybody. Like, dude, Ward Manual, get out of the way. Don't screw this up. And a big fat, what's the deal to the fans that are? ready to bury Jim Harbaugh over this because like as a reasonable intelligent person it when you look at from the outside looking in you know what I mean you can very like just easily say like oh he's exploring NFL jobs get his ass out of here but that's I really don't think that's the case you know what I mean like he's in her he talked what he talked to the owner of the Carolina Panthers, you know what I mean? Jim Harbaugh's not interested in that job. He talked to, he did a virtual uh, thing with the owner of the Denver Broncos. Look from the outside looking in. Jim Harbaugh has this Michigan team in the best shape that it's ever been in. He's closer to a national championship in college football than he's ever been in his life. Do you honestly think that this offseason, Jim Harbaugh wants to leave Michigan to go coach for the Denver Broncos or for the Carolina Panthers? I really don't. I think that there's a lot of tension here between this contract talk that's pushing it more in that direction. But I don't think that Jim Harbaugh actively like wants to shop NFL gigs this year. I think that there's an evident divide between himself and ward manual that's unhealthy at this point and it's it's pushing him away a little bit as if anyone would with any job that they're at so the situation needs to be handled it needs to be handled promptly i also understand that there's some things uh there was a report by angelique um recently stating that you know, a contract can't be offered uh, or something or a contract hasn't been offered or something like that. And then there was another conflicting report that came out to like defend their report uh, that Angelique was refuting, saying something to the effect that a contract can't be offered until this investigation stuff is done. You know what I mean? So 
there's several moving parts that like we as a fan base aren't aware of. My gut and my heart says that Jim Harbaugh wants to stay at Michigan because he's outwardly stated and uh, three times in the last month that his intention is to coach Michigan football next year. That's his, in my mind, that's his way of telling us, I want to coach this football team next year. There's some things that are like happening that you guys aren't aware of that like might, like might change the future. You know what I mean? But like, there's just certain things as an individual, you're just not going to go chanting to the entire world. So just have a little faith in Jim Harbaugh. Let this whole thing play out. My gut says he's going to be coaching Michigan next year as well. And all of this stuff's going to be stupid. The more people give fire to it, the more that it scares recruits. And I don't think that, that Jim Harbaugh is trying to draw any fire to it. And I think that's the purpose of these statements, but Ward manual Tighten the fuck up. Give Jim Harbaugh his motherfucking money. Uh, yeah, completely. And and the last thing that any of us want to see is another offseason where recruiting is affected by Jim Harbaugh to the NFL rumors. And I agree. I think Harbaugh wants to come back, and he he probably doesn't want to be dealing with this right now, right? Like he, it, every logical person can look at uh, if you're a if you're a recruit and you got like your top five schools and you're and they're all neck and neck and they're close and you're trying to pick and all that you see in the media is Jim Harbaugh interview with the Denver Broncos like yeah that's gonna affect your decision whether or not to commit we we really can't withstand too much more of this right we need to lock him down to a long term contract that's agreeable um, he, it would be crazy for him to want to go to the NFL. I like, I understand he wants another crack at it, but uh, you know, he might only last 18 months with the Denver Broncos, right? You think, you know, you think if uh, Russell Wilson throws more picks than he has toilets in his house um, again, next season, you think that, you know, Harbaugh is going to keep his job. Like not, not a chance, but at Michigan um, he could coach the next decade, you know, and all, all, all we got to do is give him the support he needs because we all know Harbaugh's not motivated by money first and foremost. He's motivated by, you know, respect. He's motivated by uh, being able to do the things that he wants to do with his team and be a leader of men like, you know, like he was taught at Michigan. And so, yeah, that's it. It's a little discouraging that this is going on. But and he wants but, to be backed in this stupid idiot. <laughs> idiot <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. This idiotic investigation <laughs> over this hamburger. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he just wants some yeah. support through that, I think, like, is the semantics of all of this. So just people need to, I mean, that just let down the, uh, let down your guard a little bit. You know what I mean? Just let it all play out. I think it's going to be relatively fine. And just if he takes another job, like wait for the reasoning to be divulged behind that before like you're ready to burn this dude to the ground that just helped us reach two Big Ten championships, you know? Yeah, and, and another thing that's that's kind of crazy about this as far as Ward Manual goes is there there is a, uh, a a Michigan football supporter and booster that worked on an NIL project, a, a non-profit NIL project uh, over the last like year. And uh, reportedly, I'm going to leave him unnamed, but but reportedly that this guy um, created an, an opportunity for for athletes at Michigan to make quite a bit of money, and he presented it to Ward Manual, and Ward Manual shot it down. Now I found this interesting, so I, I actually got on the phone with this guy. I talked to him earlier this week, and I, I've got an interview scheduled with him. I'll be interviewing him as part of Wolverine Chronicle, and we can. We can plug it in on, on this podcast so people can hear it. But um, he doesn't want to have the interview until after the, the contract goes down because he doesn't want to bring negative attention uh, that could somehow. Yeah, he, he don't want to. Nobody wants to touch anything right now. Right. Like get this get this contract done. But um, uh, it, it, it's interesting. Right. I, I, the reason I reached out to this guy is because I want to know, like, wh what's going on? Why? Why would Ward Manuel not cooperate? with an opportunity to get athletes money. I want to know the details there because maybe there's a legitimate reason that Ward is is hesitant. Um, 
but it, d- it didn't sound like it. It didn't sound from from all of the details I had. It sounded like a little bit of a a power control type situation. And so, okay, we could go on and on about this, but let's look a little bit into the future. I, I'm I'm excited about this one. You and I let, let's go back and forth a little bit and predict the stat leaders for Michigan next year. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. This is a this is a layup. I feel like um, you can go first. Leading rusher for the twenty twenty three Michigan Wolverines. Ah, uh, you know I wanna like say um wanna say what my hopeful pick is, but I think Blake Corum will be back leading this team in rushing uh, with just his rushing style. Also, the way that they mix it in with Donovan Edwards um, receiving-wise, as well as his ability to uh, to maintain health throughout an, an um, entire season. I think that we'll probably see Blake Corum lead the team again in rushing, uh, is what my gut tells me. But I would like to say that we'll see Donovan Edwards breaking loose for more of those open field super long runs that uh that he's been having and and top Blake out at the end of the year but I think we'll see Blake. Yeah, if if Corum stays healthy, there there's no way he's not the leading rusher, right? If he's healthy all season, I agree. Um it'll be interesting to see how Cole Cabana is used. Um I I think uh, no disrespect to CJ Stokes at all, but I think I think Cole Cabana might come in as the third option, um, just based on what I've seen from him. And so it'll be fun to see that backfield next year, which should be the best backfield in the country, right? Like, like there's no way around it. That should be the best backfield in the country. Can you imagine if Michigan can find a way to utilize all three of those guys on the field, uh, either two or three? Even- even two or three of those guys on the field at the same time and like certain play sets. I mean, I think it would be a spectacle if they can find a way to utilize Cabana's talents with uh, Edwards and Corum. I don't think opposing defenses are going to know what to do. So very exciting, Mm -hmm. honorable mention of Cole Cabana in there as well. Well, if you think back to Corum's freshman year, um, he was used sparingly, but he was effective. He was, uh, they, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I remember them giving Blake Corum like a lot more screen passes and some like third down back usage, which is not not really his game for us now. I think I think Cole Cabana uh, might fit into a similar role as that this season. So that's exciting. And and uh, all right, coming up next, leading receiver. To me, this is the most fascinating and intriguing one on the list because there's so many directions to go. Um, with this category, who who do you think is going to be the leading receiver on the team next year? Well, I'm just honestly, I mean, I know that we've still got a uh, a few announcements, a few lingering guys out there to uh, declare for the NFL, their NFL decisions. Uh, we still have yet to hear from Roman and Cornelius. I honestly, I know that we've got a a bullpen of young young big home run hitter type guys too that can also possibly get in there and steal some playing time from Cornelius and Roman. But I'm going to go with Cornelius Johnson just because of the end of the year that he had. I know Roman Wilson had a big game against TCU, um, but I think if if those two come back, uh, I think that that Cornelius Johnson leads this team in receiving. Although I do think that some of our young guys will be um, right up there on the list. And I think I'll, uh, I'll let you touch more on that. Cause I think you might go in that direction if I'm not mistaken. Actually not, not none of the young guys that were freshmen on the team this year. So here, I'll t- first I'm going to tell you who I want to say. And I just can't do it because I, I don't really think so. But there's there's two curveballs that I think c- could be like the number two and three receivers on the team. Colston Loveland could 
Oh, actually, so there's a freshman. I I, I said that I wasn't going to go with a freshman, but I, I was thinking about the receivers. But Colston Loveland could. I mean, we've we've seen how Schoonmaker and Eric All have been used. So Colston Loveland could be the leading receiver on the team. Um, That's and then honestly, the other the other curveball. Yeah. Yeah, and so and here's the other one, Donovan Edwards, right? Like Donovan Edwards could right because we know we know they're going to try to get him more touches, and the dude basically is like an all-american wide receiver just coming out of the backfield but my actual pick is roman wilson i think i think roman wilson we saw early chemistry downfield with uh jj and we and he's like the fastest guy on the team and so he can he's got those burners right so when we're talking about receiving yards i think it's roman wilson i i didn't pick cornelius johnson because i don't know if he's going to be back um, I, I would not be surprised if, if he left, I, I actually, I didn't even realize he had eligibility left until just recently. So we'll, we'll see, um, if he's back or not, but that'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of guys that could potentially have some big yardage games. You know, honestly, um, I was like torn between Roman and, uh, and CJ just because Roman was, I mean, he was great obviously in that game against TCU, but we didn't see much of him during Big Ten play after we got out of the non-conference, you know what I mean? He His height uh, really showed a little bit in that uh, lateral downfield ability uh, matchup-wise against some, and then he struggled with injuries a little bit. So I, uh, I think Cornelius, I think he's poised with Ronnie gone to at least have a shot at being wide receiver one i think that they'll give him some credit there and he finished uh to his credit he finished out the season with 500 yards receiving and what looked like wasn't going to be a very good receiving season for any michigan receiver so uh i was i was happy that he was able to dig some tough yards out at the end there and i hope i hope that he sticks around like you said he might be gone there's still some guys lingering with some nfl decisions but we'll see Leading tackler. Who do you think is going to lead the team in tackles next season? Oh, man. This one's like a cherry pick. A gimme, too, right? I mean, isn't it Junior Colson? Yeah, that's who I got, too. It's got to, you got, yeah. I mean, you got to figure the linebacker position is the easiest to go to. And then, um, you know, you know, Ernest Hausman could be, could be a pick here. That uh, could be. We, have, we haven't really seen how how he's going to fit into the equation. But I mean, yeah, we've got our leading tackler returning. So I, I would, actually, I didn't check, but I, I junior Colson has to be our leading tackler this last season. I, he's I think. Be. Um, so he, he's got, yeah, he's gotta be, it seemed like every game he, he had the most tackles. So yeah, junior Colson, uh, is my pick there. Um, interceptions leader. I changed my answer right before the, right before the show here. Man, you know, I uh, I would love to pick Will Johnson just because that's like the sexy pick, right? But I think I'm going to go with this season's interception leader, which is Rod Moore. You know, he is like he is like a moth to the fucking flame or whatever it's called. But he, that guy gets to the interception and. Uh, I think that he's going to take another step forward next year, and I think we're still going to see a lot of great moments out of him. I think Rod Moore leads the team in interceptions next year again. So I want the opposite train of thought as you did. I, I had Rod Moore listed in my notes, and then this morning I was like, what am I doing here? It's going to be Will Johnson. Like, Will Johnson, he's the next Charles Woodson, man. Like, this dude, his sophomore year, he's he's going to kick it up a notch because if you look at – uh. You know, he had that multiple interception game against Purdue. That was late in the season. It feels like he's getting his feet underneath him. So I would not be surprised at all if Rod Moore and Will Johnson both had like five plus interceptions next season. They're they're going to be a fantastic pair back there. And, you know, I thought a little bit about Mike Sander still, but I think he's he's more likely going to get like sack fumbles and fumble, you know, like just like those those like he's going to be wearing rocking the turnover buffs but i think he's going to get the ball in different ways um 
All right. Well, that's interesting. Now, now here's another one that's kind of wide open. Uh, sack leader. So it was Mike Morris this season. He's obviously not coming back. Who do you think is going to lead the team in sacks? So for me, I think it's uh, definitely going to be Jalen Harrell. You know, and the dude, uh, he was very good in the non-conference, like towards the beginning of the season. And then he was also very good to close it out. I think he had two against Purdue in the Big Ten championship game. I think with Morris taking a step back, uh, Oki transferring, I think that it opens up the door for him to get a lot more snaps. Um so I think that Harrell is going to be our guy on the edge that is just a terror. And I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, to see um, see some other uh, guys enter their names into that drawing. But I think Harrell's really going to assert himself early, and a lot of people aren't even going to see it coming. Yeah, you're probably right. I think I'm wrong. I think I, I'm just going to go on record saying you're right. I'm wrong, but I'm not changing my answer. Uh, Jalen Harrell came to mind. Um, I, another guy that came to mind was Braden McGregor, right? With, with it, like at some point he's going to have to take a big step up. Um, Mason Graham is, is a fun answer, but he's, he's, he's a little bit more of a stuffer, you know, like he's stuff. I mean, he, he gets sacks though. He definitely, you know, it could be Mason Graham. Um, I went really optimistic here because because we don't really know how this guy's gonna play play for us. I went with Josiah Stewart, who is the transfer from Coastal Carolina coming in. He had 13 sacks his freshman year at Coastal Carolina. Um, now, but we don't know. We don't know, right? Like he might come in like like Yabioki and just have like a, a a strong season, or he might just elevate and take his game to the next level. I actually saw. RJ Young. And I by the way, I would never I would never recommend to anybody to get any reliable information from RJ Young. He's he's kind of, he's kind of a quack. But uh he had him he had Josiah Stewart as one of his preseason All-Americans for next season. Um and it kind of made me think. I was like, "Oh, I mean, okay, that could be. Like I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign for Josiah Stewart that RJ Young's predicting that. But uh, you know, it could be. It's bad juju for and, Josiah Stewart. He better run far away from that prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, you could go a lot of different positions with this next one. Who do you think is going to be the most improved player? I'm going to like do what I do and split it up with an honorable mention because I'm so indecisive. But uh, yeah. I went initially upon initial reaction – uh, Rayshon Benny. I'd like to see oh, him. Wow. I'd like to see him become like that next Mozzie Smith type guy. You know what I mean? I know Mason Graham's coming. Uh, that guy's going to gobble some dudes up, but um, I'd really like to see Rayshon Benny. You know, he was one of our more highly touted recruits. Uh, he saw a lot of snaps and playing time last season. Uh, didn't really do a tremendous amount of things with it, but neither did Mozzie Smith, you know, the year prior to this last year. So I'm looking to see a big step out of uh, out of him. And uh, I'm also going to mention, just because you didn't mention him under this role, uh, Braden McGregor. I've been openly critical of Mr. McGregor on my tweets and on this podcast, so I am going to give him uh, a little benefit of the doubt and say that Braden McGregor will be most Im- one of the most improved guys on this roster uh, next year as well. Yeah, I like the direction you went in because you went with some guys that really haven't been producing much that that could really hop onto the scene and produce a lot. That that's one interpretation of most improved, and I think it's the most. It's the most common interpretation. I I actually went a slightly different direction because I was thinking about guys that were already studs that just that might get that much better, right? Like 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 go take it from already being an amazing player to like being an all time great. And so my answer for that reason is Mike Sandra still because he and now like 
if he is in fact our most improved player next year, then the world needs to watch out. This dude's going to be one of the best players in college football because uh, he he's going to be going into his second season playing defense. That's my reasoning, right? Is he last year was his first season playing defense? Um, I mean, he absolutely could be the most imp- improved player for that reason. And and then my honorable mention, just to just to wrap up this segment with an exclamation point, is what if J.J. McCarthy is our most improved player? Like, that's a possibility. Last year was his first year starting, you know, starting, like second year starting for a quarterback. Uh, you know, he, he could easily be a, a Heisman winning national champion quarterback. And so this could be the year he takes a big step up. I tell, dude, I, so I tell you a dude that I would not mind if he was, I'll, honestly, I would be very happy if this guy is the most improved player. Uh, AJ Henning. Like, like, another interesting choice. Right? Like, 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 he was basically non existent. I mean, he's our, we see him because he, he's back there returning punts. But, you know, if, if, if a guy like Darius Clemens doesn't get better at the receiver position, which he probably will, then, you know, AJ Henning really needs to become a threat when it comes to running routes. And so that would be interesting to see as well. He, I was one that I thought of too, while I was going through like my notes and my list, you know, I didn't want to mention his name because I almost felt bad that it was AJ Henning taking a step back this year. But, uh, you know, I, I really liked your picks though about Mike saying we're still, because like, that there's definitely some areas they can improve in, especially Mike Sane were still, but I think like both of them, they're just going to be like ferocious next year. I think it's going to be like, I think Michigan next year is going to be like pretty nasty. We'll have to go back and revisit, um, revisit this at the end of the season. Well, we'll do this every year, man, because it'll be fun to look back. Uh, you know, there's going to be some guys that we just had no idea that like end up on this list. And so it'll be exciting to see, see how that pans out. Or even do like a midway, like report or whatever, like, like halfway through the season, like we'll gauge who we picked at the beginning of the year to be studs and see like what's happening. Let's do it. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, throw, throw our picks on a graphic tweet it out into the tw- Twitter verse. That way it can, it's fully receipable. That way everybody everybody can see what our picks are and then we'll, yeah, we'll come yeah. back and we'll revisit it periodically halfway through, maybe after non-conference, see how we're doing. Um, that'll be fun. Let's move on to a segment that we call Sheesh! Which is a world-famous segment that's taking over the interweb. Um, and this is just, you know, it gives us an opportunity to say Sheesh! When something wild happens in the sports world. So, Matt, uh, what this week had you saying? Sheesh! You know, there wasn't many great things that came out of this week of Michigan basketball thus far, but Jet Howard, sheesh. I mean, my goodness, dude, that guy, I'm just, I get so sad almost when I watch him playing basketball for our team because there's just all this question surrounding whether or not this team is actually capable of digging it out and making it to the tournament this year. But Jet Howard is just like a national treasure, man. Uh, The guy just doing it all um, a couple nights ago, uh, I had to... I felt bad for him walking away from that loss just because of the effort that he laid out on the table. But uh, but sheesh, my goodness, Jet Howard, keep doing things like that, sir, and you'll do great things for not only this Michigan program, but also your professional career soon down the road. Man, I took heat because I said he's a one-and-done player, like he's going pro after this season. And everybody like, and this was after the Michigan State game where he struggled a little bit, and everybody's like, "You're crazy! There's no way he's not good enough." And and then he comes out and does this. And by the way, this was also mine. This was my pick as well. So Jet Howard, you get a double, Jeez. thirty-four points in a a valiant effort against Iowa. Came up just short, and so that's a good segue into talking a little bit about basketball, Matt. Um. 
man, it's been a little, it's been a rough go of things for this basketball team. Been, been really close. Um, I almost, for the, what's the deal segment, I almost picked people, people calling for Jawan's head because I'm, I'm getting a little tired about, you know, like we're talking about a guy that's been here for, for two years, three years, and he's had a number one seed. He, he's never missed the sweet 16 technically, right? Like it, it's like, you know, it's a little early to be calling for a coach's head midway through a season where they, 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 they really haven't gotten blown out in any games except, uh, you know, the, the, what was that? Arizona State was a blowout, but for the most part, they've been in every game. A lot of young players, um, you know. So, how are you feeling about the basketball team? That that Iowa loss had to be the most heartbreaking thing I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, the Iowa loss was very crushing. Um, it's not looking great for our tournament hopes at this point, which is probably one of the hardest uh, things to grasp for me comes from. But um, who, who knows? You know, crazier things have happened. We'll see how it all wraps up and how it all ends. But I'm I'm with you. I'm not with the calling for Jawan Howard's head. Um, it is a young team. I think that they've got a lot of things to figure out, but. They have got to find some way to put points on the board or a consistent style of play on the board behind the efforts of Jet Howard and Hunter Dickinson. You know, I I think that they are they're not great off of the bench. They're susceptible to long runs. Uh, they're still trying to figure it out lineup wise, which isn't a good thing this far into the season. Um, it's, it's just not looking very promising and, uh, and it's very, it's very sad to see for, um, a fan base that's fresh off of such a successful football season. I, uh, you know, I, I, I hurt with the rest of the fan base. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm hurting too, but I, I'm oddly encouraged by the, the guys we have on the team. Um. That Terrace Hunter Dickinson in the game at the same time lineup uh, got me kind of pumped. That was exciting seeing the two big dudes on the floor at the same time. You know, shades of Jawan and C Web and and uh, I actually I actually mentioned that the week before on the on the podcast. I said um, it would be cool to see Hunter Dickinson and Terrace Reed in the game at the same time, and we had never seen that. And then sure enough, the next week uh, they're doing it. Uh, I think Doug McDaniels is going to get better and better and better. Jet Howard is a stud. Hunter Dickinson at this point, he is kind of like what we thought he was. We we know what he is. Kobe Bufkin is going to get better and better and better. The team is improving defensively. They're one of the best teams offensively at not turning the ball over. They're getting better at rebounding. There's one key component that it, it feels like they're starting to fit figure out which is unfortunate for for one guy but uh Terrence Williams is he's mostly a non-factor uh when he's on the floor he looks lackadaisical and uninterested and he's fading away from the basket and he's not he's not doing much and so I I would love to see Will Cheddar and uh Jace Howard get more of his minutes because the, that it, it appears that that that's what we need is is guys that are you know, okay, not being the number one scorer, rebounding, blocking out, hustling on defense, diving for balls. Like the, the we need those scrappy glue guys in the game. And unfortunately, Terrence Williams is just not it right now. And uh, you know, I've I've said it before. I like him coming off the bench. I like T. Will as a sixth man. I don't really like him as as part of the starting rotation. But we'll see if we'll see if Jawan ever gets to that point. Um, right. Yeah. And that, and just like uh, to, to what I mentioned before about uh, the lineup problems, it's not even a problem with that starting lineup almost as it is just they just don't know where what they're going to whenever they get into the bench rotation. You know, that's kind of where this team starts to struggle and have inconsistencies, I believe. So uh, I don't I don't know, man. We'll see how it shakes out. This is a great team. It's a great roster. A lot of good basketball players on this team. So 
I just hope that they can figure it out, put a consistent full game on the floor. Because if they can get that down and get that rhythm down, then they can do some damage and maybe still have a shred of hope at at making this tournament. But uh, it's not looking good. Well, we actually have a Michigan Northwestern basketball game that just tipped off as we're recording this. So everybody listening, like we we record, um, you know, Sundays, and and so this this will drop Monday. But so by the time this comes out, everybody's going to know the outcome of that Michigan Northwestern game. We don't we don't really know at this point. So uh, that's a good reason for us to get get wrapping up here though, so we can go watch some basketball. But Last but not least, let's end with our Pump the Breaks segment. This is an opportunity for each of us to bring a take, and uh, if we agree with it, we'll just say keep driving. If we disagree, we'll say pump the brakes. All right, Matt, I'm going to let you lead this off. Uh, what is what is your hot take for this week? So my hot take for this week, and it'll probably be the hottest that it's ever been in the heat of all of this Michigan fan base scrutiny. Um, I still just, with all of the recent uh, announcements of players declaring and staying at the University of Michigan and uh, and not choosing to go to the NFL, uh, asterisk Blake Corum, um, I just think that this Michigan team is poised to do some real damage next year. And I know like, amongst Michigan faithful, it's not going to be that that hot of a take to just say it out loud. But the I truly believe that this Michigan fan or that this Michigan team is going to be undisputed next year. Um, I mean, and you look at the teams that they're going to have to compete against you look at some of these other Big Ten teams, what they're doing, and the players that they have returning. Obviously, we still got to see what what Ohio State has with C.J. Stroud coming back. But I just feel so great about this Michigan team's chances next year. I think that they're going to run the table, win the national championship next year with this roster that they have coming back. Take it to the bank. Michigan Natty next year. Well, I mean, if I pumped the brakes on you for this one, I would just be a terrible human being. So I'm not going to do that. But I will tell you the team that gives me the most pause, and that's Penn State. Uh, Penn State looks like they're coming together strongly. They've got some uh, really good young talent in the backfield. Um, but yeah, leave it to leave it to James Franklin to s- screw it up somehow next year. So I, I agree. We're going to run the table, win the natty. Um, all right, here's mine. But... Oh, go ahead. But I won't pump the brakes on you on that Penn State take, though, because they have been picking up steam. I like how they finished out the season last year, so we'll see. That is, you're right. You are right there with your caution for Penn State and the Fighting Franklins. We shall see. All right, mine. You might you might pump the brakes on me, even though it's a this is a Michigan positive uh, take here. Mo- I think most of the fan bases would would pump the brakes on me for this one right here, but I'm going to say it loud. I'm going to say it proud. I don't even know the outcome of the Michigan-Northwestern game yet, uh, so I might sound like an idiot at this point, but Michigan basketball will make the tournament, and we will see them playing in March Madness. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm going to... I am going to pump the brakes on you, regrettably, my friend. I love Michigan basketball. I just uh, I just don't give me hope. Don't give me hope at this point. <laughs> but I don't know. I've, like I said, anything can happen. I am of the mindset that, uh, that crazier things have happened. So we'll, uh, we'll see how it finishes out. That's why I've kind of left a little bit of little bit of stuff on the table as I've talked about it during this podcast because I'm hanging on to a little bit of hope. Uh, they are handling Northwestern right now, so I'm anxious to get to that, and I know my friends at Mason Brew are me, are for me too. Well, all right, well, that's a good, good uh, wrap-up right there. We're going to go watch some basketball and have a good day. Um, that's it for us, the Big House Bleachers podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. You can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron. I have a website, wolverinechronicle.com. Matt, what about you? 
They can find me uh, via my Twitter handle, Mike, at Maze Crusader. Or uh, they could check out any of the great content that Maze and Brew is publishing on any of their social media feeds throughout the day. That's at Maze and Brew. And as always, go blue. Go blue.